Welcome to Growing Up 80s, a podcast where two friends talk about the things we loved as kids growing up in the 80s and that we still enjoy today. This time, we're going for a walk down memory lane, talking about the video game and computer consoles that we owned and loved in the 80s. Hey, Darren, good to hear you again. It's nice to be heard. <laughs> be heard. <laughs> to be here. To be heard. I wish I had a heard yeah. in my eared. We're we're continuing to record from our respective basements and not we are not sharing a couch again. We uh it's it's a shame, but it's the right thing to do in these days. It's working. So it's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you over the FaceTimes and so on. That's right. Yeah. Over the internet tubes. Over the internet tubes. So Darren, just a reminder to our listeners that we now have a Patreon page where our patrons can get access to the bonus monthly episode. Yes. Get shout outs and virtual high fives from us. That was me giving you a virtual high five. That was good. Thanks. And even get to <laughs> and even get to ask us the questions for the monthly episode. If you stick around to the end of the podcast, we'll tell you where to find that on Patreon. Patreon. Yeah. Patreon. Patreon. All right, Robin. Okay. Let's get to the meat of the episode. That's enough of that. So, Darren, today we're going to try and walk through all the consoles and video games and computers that we owned mm -hmm. through the 80s. And we'll just have it's like we're not going to go into super depth on anyone, but just remembering a, a favorite story, yeah. a favorite game, whatever. Something yeah. about each one. So, I want to start off. Do you remember what your first gadget, like the first thing you Ooh. owned that was electronic, yeah. even even if it wasn't really a game, what was your first favorite electronic gadget? Mm. I remember having a transistor radio. Yeah. Does that count? Yeah, I, th I think it does because... Oh, you know what? I was really excited when I got my first tape recorder. Because oh. I like the tape recorders that we had at school, like in the library, you know, like it was, it's the, that standard form factor of a tape recorder that's kind of long and with the yep. big speaker in the back and you put the tape in the thing with the buttons. And I was very excited on a trip to Duluth. I bought a tape recorder for myself. So I think that was my first kind of technology kind of gadgety type thing that I bought for myself that I was very excited to have. Yeah, I, I didn't get a tape recorder until like much later, but I thought they were awesome. I, mm -hmm. I remember my grandma having one and I didn't realize that she was such a nerd that she would like record things and she wouldn't even tell people sometimes. Oh, and yeah. then she'd just leave it running. And so I have these tapes of her when she passed away, I ended up with her box of tapes and she had these recordings of from the 1970s of like family dinners and nobody knows they're being recorded. Like just while you guys are eating and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's, you can hear like three-year-old me babbling in the background and them try to ask my wayward uncle like how he was going to get his life together and, and whatever. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and it's like time travel, hearing those voices from... Oh, you know, 40, 50 years ago. Yeah, that's pretty cool. What drew me to the whole tape recorder thing was, and it's kind of funny, I, I never really thought about it until just as we were, just as I mentioned it to you, and here we are recording podcasts and stuff like that. And you know, like in high school and stuff, I was always trying to get out of work by making videos for my 
assignments instead of writing things down. I always liked the idea of radio and television and, and recording stuff or broadcasting stuff. And so to me, as a little kid, being able to sit down with a tape recorder and record myself and then potentially share it with other people later. I don't know that many people got to listen to the things <laughs> I created, but the, the idea of, of making stuff like that and kind of pretending radio and stuff like that, that's what excited me and what I was eager to be doing with my tape recorder. Yeah, that that's what fascinated me too with the tape recorder. And then you were the first kid I knew who got a video camera. And well, I was bored my uncle's video camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And... And that's right. And then when I finally got like a four track recorder, you know, you and I started mm -hmm. doing music and I got really into recording and trying to do recordings of band, like to make music. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. and when I got, and likewise with the video games, it, I was always thinking, oh, we can make our own video games. Yeah. It, it was always these various electronics that were a, a way to be creative not yeah. not just to consume, yeah, but to also yeah, create. Sure. Yeah. Yep. So I think you and I have, have had that in common. What was your first kind of gadgety thing that you remember yeah, getting? Yeah, I, I do remember getting a transistor uh, radio from my grandpa, and then mm -hmm. some rotten kid at school basically stealing it from me or bribing, oh, yeah. whatever. Yeah, one of those, yep. you know, we'd get those kids yep. who'd show up at school for just a year or two, I guess we didn't understand that they were probably from problem families yep. and stuff and had issues. Okay, so I remember that, but really the one that I loved was the little professor, the oh, yeah. the yeah. electronic, and that was probably the late 70s. Mm -hmm. And even though it wasn't a video game, it at least lit up and asked me mm -hmm. these math questions and I, I would just answer yeah. them like crazy. Oh, yeah. Uh yeah, four different levels and then four different like addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. And, yeah. uh, you know, when you saw 123 divided by, oh, I don't even know what, what divides by, maybe that's a prime number. It probably doesn't even uh, divide by anything. No, no. 120 divides by three. Yeah, of course and it does. And then add, add one yeah. more. There, 123 divided by three. I don't know what it would ask. 41. 41, yeah. There you go. Well done, Derek. Phew. Yeah. Hey, Thank you. You're smart. Yeah. Anyway, Little Professor. Oh, yeah. I even wrote a song about Little Professor. Oh, yeah. Little Professor, the answer, please. Don't play that. Yeah, you can You can kind of tell the the side of, of the academic fence that we fall on. We like the Little Professor. Did you ever have a speak and spell? No, I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have a speak and spell either. I think it was because the math kind of stuff probably was more on our side of things rather than, oh, remember how to spell a word? Yeah. I still don't know how to spell the words. <laughs> Although there's a good chance that the speak and spell was like 40 bucks and the little professor was like 20 bucks as mm -hmm. well. I'm So price might have been a factor with our parents. Sure. Yeah. From there with little professor, then I ended up buying like, okay, well, actually let's talk about yours. What, what was your first console? My first console would have been the Atari 2600. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, remember my buddy, John, who lived kind of around the corner and down the street. He had a 2600 before I did. So I remember going over to his place and, and like playing combat. And I remember playing freeway 
And what else do we play? There's Space Invaders, of course, and Asteroids. I remember playing the Atari 2600 first at John's place. Then I got a 2600 of my own. And I don't know when I got it for sure. I was, I was asking my mom when we went to Disney, because we went to Disney in the early 80s. She says we went in 81 or 82. And I think that we went to Disney before I got my second console. So it could have been that I had an Atari around 81, but I'm not certain. Yeah. So like the first time I remember coming over to your place mm -hmm. when we were kids. To watch me play to Pitfall. To watch you play Pitfall. <laughs> so, <laughs> so surprisingly, Pitfall didn't come out until 1982. It's okay. a bit of a later game. By the time Pitfall came out, the Commodore 64 was you know, going to be, mm -hmm. was going to be released months later, yeah. later that year. Yeah. Pitfall was surprisingly late. Okay. So, so I probably got my Atari 2600 right around that time. And I was wondering about the timelines for things, because when I think about my boys and them wanting to get the latest and greatest console and something new comes out every year, it's like, no way you're getting something new every year. Yeah. I'm that dad. But I was trying to figure out the timeline for things, like between getting the 2600 and up until the point where I got the Commodore 64, and that just really compresses the timelines. And I think I was getting something new every year. That's how it sure felt. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I sometimes felt kind of jealous about you. But then also like Ron, our friend Ron, who's, uh, mm -hmm. have we had him on the show? No, he hasn't been on this show. He's been on the other He's show. He's been on the other show. But then, yeah, Ron managed to get an Atari, Ron and Mark, mm -hmm. they managed to get mm -hmm. one. And I still couldn't convince my parents. So mm -hmm. basically it felt like almost all my friends were getting Atari 2600s and maybe other systems. And I did not. So the only, nope. so meanwhile, the only thing I could convince my parents was we'd be down in Duluth. I'd go to the KB Toys down there in Duluth. Mm -hmm. And that, that shop was amazing in the early 80s. Mm. And they had all the Atari games and they had just the walls were just packed with stuff I wanted. It was amazing. But anyway, two or three years in a row, or maybe even we'd go twice a year, I don't know, down to Duluth, Minnesota, there would be electronic games and yep. on sale. And I could, ah. I could convince my parents I could be almost on clearance. So a game that was originally retailing for as much as 30 or $40 for, you know, a single electronic yep. game would maybe be on for 20 bucks and i could convince my parents okay. that that was okay even yep. though i mean it's just one game right so that's how i got both entex defender yes i remember your defender oh that and that was a really good buy like a, it was mm -hmm. it was a really neat game and tron from the movie yeah. yeah and those two were excellent so i played those like crazy but i was very jealous of you guys in your you know, Atari yeah. that could hook up to the TV with the console. It could change yep. the cartridges. And you know what was weird? I was, I was remembering. Yeah. I was remembering hooking, hooking the Atari up to the TV. Now in my home, we had the Atari and it was hooked up downstairs in the rec room to like the main family TV. Yeah. And it just stayed there. And when mom or dad was watching something on the TV, then I wasn't playing Atari, but I think Ron and Mark, I think they moved their Atari around from room to room. Yes. Uh, depending on 
who was using what TV. And my buddy, John, I remember sometimes playing upstairs at his house, sometimes down in the basement at his house. So yeah, I never moved the Atari around, but I remember other people moving the Atari around. It's like, oh, you can move it around. Yeah. Of course you can. (laughs) I think. What a hassle. Yes. I think yours was worse than most because your TV was tucked into kind of an alcove yeah. And I think maybe even under a shelf or something. It was. And so, yeah. yeah, I bet yours would have been way more trouble to get back behind the TV. And that's probably why it didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, yeah, I remember Ron and Mark moving the Atari around, as you say, and sometimes it would even be in their parents' bedroom yeah. on a super old black and white TV, which I have here in oh, the really? basement. It's stacked wow. up. Yeah, I remember playing Pitfall 2 in Ron and Mark's parents' bedroom yes. on, on the Atari. Yeah, it, yeah. it was in black and white, and it was a, such an old TV that didn't have the regular 4x3. It, it didn't even okay. try to be rectangular. That's what I'm saying, right? It was, <laughs> yeah. it was like, it wasn't quite one of those circle TVs that, it, have yeah, you seen those yeah. super old TVs oh, yeah. that were round? <laughs> But it certainly was far from being rectangular, and it was really weird how the the game warped as you played it. Yeah. yeah. So, what do you figure timeline was wise we're talking about right now? I think maybe eighty two. I think we're talking from eighty one to eighty two. Yeah. yeah, and then you got an upgrade probably in eighty three. Yeah, I think so um, because. So my upgrade was to the ColecoVision, mm-hmm. which came out in the middle of 82. Yeah. And so I can see myself getting it probably maybe even Christmas 82, yeah. but or early 83. You know, I, I imagine my parents would have made me stick with the Atari for at least a year. Yeah. Before allowing me to get the upgrade. And so, yeah, that was that was my next one. And of course, I kept all the Atari cartridges, but we, I think we sold the Atari. I kept the cartridges and we got the uh, that first expansion for the ColecoVision right away so that you could play the Atari cartridges on the ColecoVision. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was really excited to to get the Coleco because, you know, it looked, it looked so much better, especially in print. It looked so much better. <laughs> yes. Like when you look at the games in magazines or when you look at games on the back of the boxes or in the catalogs, they looked so much better than the Atari games. And it's like, okay, I want this arcade quality almost stuff yeah. coming home. And I think I've told the story about, you know, learning to play Donkey Kong on the ColecoVision and not being able to replicate my prowess in the <laughs> arcade afterwards. But, you know, even just, even just playing the ColecoVision as, a, as an adult now, it's like I can see how the Coleco sold itself well with those still pictures, but the way that the Coleco worked versus the way that the Atari worked in many ways, the Coleco didn't play nearly as well as the Atari. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The, the technical difference between the machines, the Coleco vision had uh, a more advanced video chip in a lot of ways, but, it couldn't scroll well at all. It mm-hmm. had this very limited little, um, basically the processor had to talk to the video memory one little bite at a time. 
And meanwhile, the Atari is kind of painting the whole screen every frame. In some ways, that means it was Mm -hmm. more fluid and and, smoother in a way. It was, they're very different architectures. And when a game played well to the Atari's strengths, it could do very well. Like it it was, yeah. yeah. Yep. But, but yeah, I, I know what you're saying. It, and, and I think the controller of the ColecoVision made it all feel a little bit more clunky too. Yeah. Yeah. It had that, you were holding like a telephone receiver. It, it was almost like in your left hand or if, if you're right hand yep. dominant and the joystick, it was, it was like, it was almost like they were kind of on that continuum between the joystick and the game pad. Yes. So you've got this really stubby, everyone knows what it is. Who's listening to this podcast, that really stubby little joystick. And so like, you couldn't grip it yes. with your fist and play. You kind of had to hold it with <laughs> your, your few fingers and yeah. 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 It, the buttons on the side were all right, but it was, yeah. yeah, it was too big and high to use your thumb on it, like a proper D pad, mm-hmm. but you have to grip it. And it was, I'd almost feel like I was getting pinched or something sometimes when I'm grabbing that thing. Well, because your finger could go around yeah. underneath the mushroom top <laughs> of the controller. Yeah. Yeah. And those side buttons, I would find that tire, those tiring, mm-hmm. uh, but on the bright side did have uh, several independent buttons for multiple functions. Yeah. I don't remember really using those in most games. Yeah. Some games would at least be the two different buttons left and right. Yeah. Left and right. And then your dial pad for, you know, you wouldn't want to be shooting your gun with the, with the number pad, but but maybe select a different weapon or something. Yeah. Yeah. It had the room for that kind of more advanced gameplay, but rarely used it. Yeah. 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 I remember before we got the ColecoVision, um, friends of my parents, uh, they had a ColecoVision. I remember they had a turbo with the, with the yeah. driving, with the, with the steering wheel and stuff. And I thought, oh man, that's pretty cool. That's what I want to get eventually. Never got it, but that's okay. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, it was, it was still fun. Yeah. And I had all my Atari games too. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So meanwhile, you had both of you had an Atari, you had a ColecoVision. I dropped by your place. You had nothing. I had nothing except, you know, my little collection of yeah. electronic games so I finally convinced my parents that I think I just wouldn't stop going on about it, that yeah. I really needed something. And then we found out about the Timex Sinclair 1000 computer, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. was the first computer to hit a hundred dollars. And I know we told the story on that weird podcast we did. That was kind of prototype, uh, of growing up eighties. It was about my oh, album. Yeah. Of yeah, that's songs. Right. yeah. But I think we can quickly get into it that the Timex Sinclair 1000, I mean, it was a terrible computer in a lot of ways, but it was the first really cheap one where it was like a mm-hmm. hundred bucks. It might, it might be awful, <laughs> but it's cheap, Yeah, <laughs> but it did work, you know, and it was a computer that hooked up to the TV. So anyway, we found a place in town that had a, Oh yeah. I feel like I told the story before, but anyway, mm-hmm. dad and I, went to the bookstore and found this book about buying computers. And we stood there in the shop reading through it. And dad basically just looked at the prices of every, every computer in that book, like the buyer's guide to computers and found the cheapest one, (laughs) wrote down the name, put the book back on the shelf. We never bought the book. 
phoned around until we found a store that sold this computer and then went and bought it. And that, that was kind of its own story, but we don't have to get into that. And anyway, I got, I came home with my first computer, yeah. hooked it up to the black and white TV. And for two weeks or so, I just used that computer all the time. I finally had a thing mm -hmm. that hooked up to the TV Yep. and I had no games for it at all. That's what's amazing, right? Like not a single, sure. it didn't have game cartridges. It had some places you could buy games on cassette, but you, we didn't even own a tape deck at first. Aww. And then even when we did, we couldn't get that thing to load or save. Like you run the cables mm -hmm. to just a standard tape deck. It would never work. We brought my aunt, brought me over to her boyfriend's place. He had a VIC-20 and I still remember visiting him, even though mm -hmm. that was, um, what, 37 years ago. Yeah. He couldn't get it to work. Finally, we brought that computer back. But in the meantime, for, for maybe two or three weeks, when I got really sick, I got the flu oh, and, yeah. uh, it's probably because of the computer. Well, yeah, and my mom, <laughs> my mom brought me to the doctor <laughs> and she tried to get him to say, he won't stop using this computer. Tell him to yeah. stop. I think it's making him sick. <laughs> and the, and the doctor laughed and didn't, uh, he didn't agree that my computer use was doing that. He didn't prescribe a week off of computer. No, no computers for a week. And, and during that time you visited me once and I, yep. I had bought either, I bought this book or my mom bought it for me. It was this red book. That was something like 101 programming tips and tricks yeah. for the Timex Sinclair 1000 had the longest title ever. And was that the one that had an adventure game in it that we were well, typing in? The one, the gate in that book, the thing that fascinated me was actually this kind of paint program. Oh, okay. which flicked into the terrible, like the high res mode of the Timex Sinclair, yeah. which was 12 by yeah, which, 18, which was probably 32 pixels by like oh, man. 24 pixels or something. Anyway, I, but under keyboard control, you could push left, right, up, down, and just move mm -hmm. a dot around and draw with yep. it. And that was amazing to me. I typed in that little basic program and and I modified it and that was mm -hmm. the beginning uh you know like I grew up to be a professional video game developer at times I've that's been my career for for some of my not my whole career yeah. but but that was being able to see you know movement and stuff on the screen that was amazing to me anyway it only lasted a while I had to bring it back because the thing wouldn't load or save and yeah, that was it. Now you had, you got another kind of video gamey thing in and around this time too. Oh, um, and I wonder if it was before or after the, the Sinclair, um, my dad worked for, oh, um, yeah. a soft drink company <laughs> and they ran a contest one year where you could win one of those um, Pac-Man, like, I don't, what would you call them? A handheld Pac-Man well, yeah. video game? Yeah, this is my... Like the same kind of thing that you were talking about buying earlier with your Defender and your Tron. Oh, you have it? 
it's right there. It's the Tomitronic Pac-Man <laughs> with Japanese characters. Yeah. Is that the one? I'm not sure. I've got two of them and now, and yeah. one of them I hope is the one I got through, That's through cool. this story. You go ahead with the story, though. Well, so for this for this contest, you had to collect the letters to spell out Pac-Man from underneath your bottles of pop. <laughs> and there was, I don't know what letter it was, but one of the letters was, was very difficult to find. It was the C. Was it the C? Yes. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, we had inside help. And I remember we went for a bike ride with dad one day and we went to the bottling plant and, oh, look it, there's the things that go underneath the bottles of pop the the caps for the bottle of pop and oh that's where they keep the c's <laughs> for the contest hmm why don't you take one and i'll take one and maybe we'll get ourselves a pac-man is, is that and we did okay is that how it went because what i remember i don't remember going to the plant with you Oh, no? I remember going down to your basement and you had the fridge yeah. full of pop. Okay. And it was like, yeah. okay, let's have a pop. Okay. And so I reached in and I grabbed one Yeah, and it turned out to have a C. Oh, really? And I thought you were annoyed with me that I took it and I kind of, I really wanted it. Well, of course. But then you were like, well, that was my can of pop because you're at my house, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no. It wasn't in the bottom of a can, though, was it? Oh, no, no, I I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the, in the, the, in the lid. Under the cap. Yeah, the cap, yeah. the cap liner. I'm sorry, I'm saying a can, hmm. I should have said a bottle of pop. Yeah, yeah. I have a real strong memory of going for a bike ride to the bottling plant with Dad, <laughs> and I'm sure you were there. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. But okay. Yeah. Okay. I thought that that's how we acquired the C. But ba Oops. basically you the C. You got one too. That's what you're saying, right? Oh, yeah, we both yeah. we both got one. We both won. That's awesome. The contest okay. somehow. Well, then you wouldn't yeah. be so jealous. I thought this is one of these uh things where you've been like angry at me for 38 <laughs> 38 years uh that, you know, I somehow nabbed This is not one of those things. Okay, no. There are, but this isn't it. <laughs> <laughs> there probably are. I can't think of anything right now, though. So actually, yes, that that's one of my three fate. I mentioned the Tron and the Defender, but that Pac-Man mm. is kind of like my third favorite of that bunch of electronic yeah. games. Yeah, that was. I think that was the only one that I had. I'm not sure. Did somebody have a Frogger? I know you guys had Frogger. No, I had a Frogger watch, and you guys had Pac-Man oh, watches. Those watches. Yeah, those were great. But too. did anybody have like a, a Frogger? Um, yeah well there was there was that other one that's right the ones that look like mini arcades and yeah. those are worth big money today oh yeah um do you remember that sears used to have that little driving game and it wasn't electronic per se yeah, it was like it was more mechanical. electromechanical yeah kevin the sears grand prix yes yeah so our friend kevin is looking at buying a house. He actually put an offer in on this house. Okay. Probably it's like an estate sale where the owner died yeah. and stuff. There's a house full of 70s and 80s stuff all covered in dust. He sent me a picture of yeah. that racing game last night. Really? Covered in really? dust, but otherwise looking really good. An estate sale filled with all sorts of cool yeah. old things. And he is probably wow. getting the whole house. Really? With the stuff in it. 
Cool. Including the Sears including the, Grand Prix. Yeah, including that racing game. Digital yeah. Derby. Okay. Digital Derby. That's what it's called. I thought it was called the Sears Grand Prix. Okay. You know what? It might be Sears resold. Tommy made yeah. the Digital Derby, I think. Okay. And then Sears probably licensed and got them to yeah, do a rebranded yeah. one. And I didn't know how to pronounce Grand Prix oh, when I was a kid. So it was... <laughs> That's right. funnier. People can guess left it. Unsaid. Left unsaid. Left yep. Okay. So you got the Coleco. I got the Timex Sinclair. I lost my computer in, yep. I think that was in 83. I had that Timex Sinclair. Sounds about right. How long could a computer nerd like me go on without a computer? That's the question. Well, can you even call yourself a computer nerd when you don't have a computer? Well, this is the thing. I was a computer nerd without a computer. Without a computer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, you know. Once I got that bug of having my own programmable computer thing in my room for weeks, a couple weeks, mm -hmm. I was never going to be happy again without another computer, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So finally, March 1984, we head to Duluth again. I go to the Target. Yep. I'm going to buy a VIC-20 because... Good choice. Yeah. And I almost bought it. There it was on the shelf at mm -hmm. the Target in Duluth, Minnesota. My parents go... Hey, why don't you buy this Commodore 64 and it's only like a hundred bucks more or 50 bucks more. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I was almost not wanting it because I think I was so fixated on this VIC-20. Yeah. You knew what you were going to be getting with the VIC-20. Yeah. And so it was probably like a hundred or $150 for the VIC-20 and maybe some extras yep. bundled in, but the Commodore 64 had just dropped to... 200 like even oh wow yeah and this was yeah early 84 yeah and anyway they they said this is what i should do and i actually i did what my parents said even though i wasn't sure yeah and of course i was so happy because afterwards i mean the commerce 64 was current for years after mm -hmm. and the vic 20 almost immediately died out where, mm -hmm. you know, VIC-20 became kind of like a laughable computer just like even a year later. Yeah. Anyway, that's how I got my Commerce 64. And of course, well, we've already talked about that so much, but oh, yes. we don't have to have all kinds of stories. But I think, I assume that prompted you getting one or, and Ron oh, yeah. getting one. Yeah, for sure. For Apple sure. got one. And, and, and it goes kind of back to what we were talking about earlier with the whole idea of you're not just consuming at this point yeah. you're creating yeah. with the commodore 64 yeah and so that was a big draw yeah, yeah I, I probably got mine maybe within a year of you getting yours yeah almost yeah almost certainly within a year of you getting yeah yours. probably even less yeah but it was yeah it was that so that was the first time i felt like i was a bit of a leader oh yeah after being the uh, the the no have <laughs> for so long I had the thing for a while. Yes. I, almost, I think everybody agreed that C64 was the best yep. thing around for yep. 84, 85. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of the, the king. So, Darren, I think after the C64, you got something that really surprises me. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't keep it for very long, but... um on one of my family's trips down to Duluth, I've got myself uh, an NES. And I imagine it was pretty early in the release for the NES. Wow. 
Yeah. Um, I guess I just thought, oh, I want another video game system. And, you know, being a big fan of the Donkey Kongs and the Donkey Kong Juniors and stuff like that, maybe I was thinking I was going to get in on that. Um, so I did. I had, a, I, had a, I had the NES for maybe a year or so, but then I sold it. Yeah. Um, I think I, I ended up just playing the, the Commodore 64, just using that so much more um, that I didn't see the value in, in having both of them. I think this was around the same time that you were working at that video rental store because they also rented um, yeah. games for the NES. And uh, yeah, I remember going and, and renting a few games there, but I never really had much of a collection. Yeah. It was, it was just a thing I had for a bit, and then I got rid of it. Yeah, I would suspect that you actually got that later than you think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, still in the 80s, but oh, yeah. but I think I was working... We were in high school, eh? Yeah, see, I was working in the video store in 88. Oh, really? Yeah. So I got it that late in the Yeah, game. so I think you had it really late then, and maybe, maybe that's why, like, did I... Did I not go over to your place so much in 88? Because I had, like, jobs and girlfriend or... Maybe. It's or... like, oh, yeah, well, I don't have my friend anymore, so I'll, <laughs> buy, go, I'll buy a Nintendo. I'll buy it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so weird that I don't... Like, I have such intense memories of almost everything. Oh, sure. Like, all these things. All the gaming things, yeah. So it still amazes me you had an NES. I can't even really picture it. Like, I'm sure it was just in my room. I'm sure it was hooked up to my 1702. Like, I don't think it was in the living room hooked up to the family TV yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. I I do remember that I liked the, the AV cable that came with it. Yeah. Yeah, the fact yeah, that it had... directly plugged in from AV and no messing yeah. around. Well, and I remember when I sold the, the Nintendo, I kept the cable. Oh. Oh, you mean you mean I that, really like the cable. You mean that particular cable. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I like that particular cable. Not just the fact. I thought you just meant the fact that the the NES had the yeah, it didn't have like an RF. Yeah, nice, like it had a built-in RF modulator, so you could just like run it straight into your TV. Yeah, as opposed to putting it through one of those crazy boxes that we always like for the Atari and the Coleco. And yeah, well, even the well, sixty-four. Well, both had the RF modulator, and it had separate composite video, which is what we could run mm. directly in. Or yeah, or that's of course that's what was going on. Composite, I think, as our American friends say. Not composite? No, they, I think they say composite rather than composite. But it's a noun, not a verb. I don't think they make the they same make that distinction? distinction. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. All right. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so that was a funny little diversion that you had that NES there. Yeah. Now, maybe you sold the NES because of the our I wanted to finance. Our final... Here we are at the end, our final 1980s yep. purchase. Yeah, this would have probably been around 89, maybe Eight, I think even I think I got mine in 88, and yep. then maybe that's when you sold your NES and, and got mine. Got along. We're talking about the Amiga 500. 500, yeah. yeah. I want to say how I got my Amiga 500, a couple quick stories. One was, okay, it was going to be like $1,000 Canadian. Plus mm -hmm. the huge tax. Plus, mm -hmm. I was going to want one of those modulator things because mm -hmm. the Amiga 500 bizarrely didn't have color composite out. It only had. Was it, was it the Commodore 520 RF modulator? You got it, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And the Amiga didn't have built-in color composite. I know, that's so bizarre. It had monochrome, though. How stupid, eh? What a... Dumb. Yeah, very dumb. So anyway, so that's a big pile. So anyway, my Amiga was going to cost me, we're talking like we're up to about 1300 bucks now because of tax yeah. and the modulator and everything, right? Okay. I, I had about that much in my bank account. So, but, you know, no credit, I didn't have a credit card or anything there. Mm -hmm. And I don't think my dad wanted to buy it on cre his credit card or whatever. Any, anyway, whatever it is, I had this idea. I was making this huge thousand dollar purchase. So I went down to the bank and took out almost all my money in cash. And I specifically asked for a $1,000 bill, which was a very yeah. rare thing in in Canada, at least. I don't know yeah. other countries may have. So Unless you were in Mr. Criddle's physics class. Well, yes. That's what it always reminds me of. <laughs> Our physics teacher in high school walks up to Darren and I. We, we got to sit next to each other. And he goes, you boys ever seen a thousand dollar bill? And we're yeah. like... And he pulls one and, out. And we're like, no, sir. Yeah. And he reaches a pocket and pulls out probably multiple thousand dollar bills. Well, yeah. Like, I like... Like how he did it was here, you can take a look at one and he pulls out another one. You can take a look at this one. And then there's another the guy we were sitting with. Here's one for you to look at. <laughs> and he had this great big wad of a hundreds as well, but like, it yeah, wasn't, that's right. but anyway, it's who we were all like holding these thousand dollar bills, thousand dollar bills, kind of shaking almost. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we did give them back. We didn't run out of the room. Yeah. Uh, Look at all the horses on the back of that bill. <laughs> Is that what's on a thousand dollar bill? Really? I think it's the mounted uh, the, oh, the, the mounties? RCMP's mounted ride. Yeah, wow. <laughs> or at least back in the eighties, it yeah. was. And he, I think he did feel it necessary to explain that he had a side business. Yeah. Of in in <laughs> of selling no no not dr dealing drugs but uh, of installing swimming pools. Yeah. And a customer yeah. had just paid him in cash for his swimming That's pool. That's right. So. <laughs> so you went to the bank to get your $1,000 Yeah, I got my $1,000 bill. I think I have a picture of me and the $1,000 bill, but I have no, nice. I've, I haven't seen it in a super long time. I got, I got to find that. I finally bought my Amiga. I brought it home and then I found out that they ripped me off <gasps> because Amiga OS 1.3, yeah. which is a kernel upgrade had been out yeah. for quite a while and yeah. they sold me an Amiga 1.2 machine. This is yes. Computer Mind and Tom Guzik. I was, I'm looking I was at you. I ask who you bought yeah, it from. I'm looking at you, Tom Guzik. Okay. I have a question for yeah. you. Why did you buy it from Computer Mind? Because if you had been, you were working in Thunder Bay Mall at the time or around that time, yeah. I think Mikadon was right beside the no, video store. It, it, Surely that you were seeing the no, Amigas there. This, no? this was before Mikadon opened. Okay. Yeah, I bought mine some months before Mikadon moved into the mall because oh, okay. as soon as Mikadon did open, yes, I was there all the time mm -hmm. and I was hired by them in a very short amount yeah. of time because I was like, yeah. You know, I'd come in and talk and I guess they knew, thought I knew what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. But part of why I got the job, I think, was because I already was pretty experienced with the Amiga. So I think at the time, I, I don't know why I went to Computer Mind, but I think it was one of the only places in town uh, yeah. that one could be bought 
Yeah. Because I was an early adopter. I guess if we yeah. found out when Amiga OS, like when 1.3 came out versus 1.2, mm -hmm. and we could, mm -hmm. we could put a window. Yeah. So 1.2 is from 86 and 87. And some, yep. sometime in 88, 1.3 was released. So I know I was back in Canada in 80. I was in Australia for 1987. We were home for 88. Yeah. That's when I got my job at the video store, bought the Amiga. Basically, it seems they might have deliberately ripped me off and sold me an old Amiga, mm. at least charging full price in those old days when there were ROM upgrades and stuff. I guess it was kind of a difficult situation for the yeah. the vendors to be yeah. in. Sure. Uh, so we went yeah. we went back and complained lots. I think I got my mom stirred up and that, that was enough to get her in there. And when, when yeah. you get my mom upset in a store, then she usually gets what she wants. So... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, I did manage to get 1.3. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty certain that uh, by the time I bought my Amiga 500, it was from Mikadon. Um, I remember at one point I bought, I don't remember exactly which sampler I bought, but I got one of the little samplers to plug into the back so that I could record things Ooh, and sample yeah, things. Because we were, our, our, at least I was big into into doing tracking and stuff, like music tracking, um, sequencing on, on the Amiga. And so it was neat to be able to, to sample things in and use those in, in music compositions I was working on. Yes. Yeah. The Digi sound, I think might've been the name of mm. the one you had. Yep. That might've been, and that was, yeah, yeah. I, I was amazed. I never did get that, but I thought that was really cool how you would make sounds and then you'd have them in your computer, uh, yeah. and use them in the tracker. The most famous one, of course, is the, the unfriendly giant, Oh yeah, mix yeah. You did. There's this. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's a radio show, a comedy radio show called The Unfriendly Giant, which was based on a Canadian show, like a parody of The Friendly mm -hmm. Giant, and Darren sampled like the chicken and the giant and various yep. sounds from this radio show we loved. Turned it into some sort of hip hoppy, <laughs> late '80s hip hop weird thing. <laughs> And in my other big purchase, I remember for the Amiga 500 was when I bought my hundred meg hard drive yes. because I was a, I was a BBS operator back in the day. I got into BBSs with the Commodore 64. I even dabbled, like I didn't write software that I could run a real BBS off of, but it's simple enough. You couldn't even really call it a terminal what I wrote, but I was taking input and sending stuff to the modem. And displaying it on the screen with the 64. Yeah, then I got into BBSs in a big way with uh, with the Amiga. And I needed a nice big hard drive <laughs> to run my bulletin board system. So I rode my 10-speed bike <laughs> down to Thunder Bay Mall. Thunder Bay Mall was... It's in Thunder Bay, but it's kind of on the edge of Thunder Bay proper. Yes. And by this time, my family had moved. We were still in Thunder Bay. But we were about three, four hundred meters away from the city limits. Yeah. So driving down Arthur Street was kind of like driving down a minor highway. Well, it was well, it, technically Highway Eleven. Well, it's it was the Trans Canada Highway at that time. You you were driving. It was. You were driving down. You're riding your bike down our equivalent of the yep. one interstate for our American friends. Yep. It's the only highway in town. At that time. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yep. So I rode my bike down to the mall, bought my GVP hard drive, sidecar hard drive, 100 megs for $1,000. 1000 bucks. 
<laughs> and I'm sure it was in a plastic Mikadon bag. <laughs> Riding down the Trans-Canada Highway on my 10-speed bike. <laughs> with with it, like, dangling in a plastic bag? Off the handlebars, off the handlebars. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. It survived the trip. Yeah. And okay, and you mentioning buying that hard drive reminds me about what what you were doing just before you bought that hard drive, Darren. You were running an Amiga BBS. I was running a BBS off a single floppy disk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So Darren had the Amiga BBS, the trash can. The, yeah, the trash can BBS, the entire BBS, the operating system. And everything, mm-hmm. I think, was squeezed onto a yep. single 800K floppy. Yep. And that had to store the message boards, the bulletin board system. Yep. And now, yeah, there weren't downloads and stuff on it. There may have been one or two teeny weeny things. <laughs> yes. But, but this BBS was all about talking about stuff. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a, it wasn't a file downloads BBS at the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, for sure. And... But I think a lot of people didn't know, like for a little while, I think your BBS was pretty popular in town. Like kind of, like it was like maybe top five kind of BBSs in town. Oh yeah. But I don't think. Top five, top three. Really? You think so? I think so. Okay. Wow. Because Amigas were big back then. Like it wasn't like, oh, everybody's got a PC and we were just like this like 5% market share. Yeah. Amiga was pretty big. Yes. And what other Amiga BBS could compare to the trash can BBS? Well, yeah. Well, when I say top... Certainly not the Amiga showroom. <laughs> <laughs> well, though, I, I was talking... I wasn't just saying of Amiga BBSs. I meant like all mm-hmm. Thunder Bay BBSs, PC included. Yeah. I, I felt like your BBS was in that. Maybe not top five, but yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I... I think it was. Okay, well, maybe it was. This is why I'm saying it. Your mm-hmm. BBS was, was pretty popular, but I don't yeah. think people knew, number one, yeah. maybe they didn't even know it was on an Amiga, but especially they didn't know it was running off of a single floppy disk. Probably not. I remember you popping the disk out, like you would not give too much of a care about your, um, who might have been dialed up at the time. <laughs> the subscribers yeah. or whatever you, you would call like, them, yeah. You just reset your Amiga in the middle of something pop out the disc yep. and show me here's the trash can and you would have <laughs> here's the whole bbs i say well how are the yeah. they say oh i guess i kicked them off or whatever you know whatever yep. was on yeah well, you know <laughs> those are those are fun days we should talk about bbs's sometime yeah we can go off for a long time yeah for that. sure i was just i never did run one i just uh enjoyed using them yeah, so that was a lot of fun. yeah that takes us through through the 80s and not that i want to get much into it what what was your next computer after your Amiga 500? An eMac. Oh, that... In 2000 and... Did I buy it before I got... Yeah, I did. I bought it before I got married. So probably 2002. All the way... You didn't buy a single computer the nope. whole 90s. Nope. I... Yeah, I, I made it all the way through university. And I took a while to get through university. Yes, you did. On my... Uh, so did you. <laughs> 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 on my on my A five hundred, and yeah, then I was out of town for a couple of years for school in Minneapolis. Yeah, and I didn't really need much. Oh, you know what? You know, I didn't get anything when I was down there. Is because I had uh, I had a 
a job working in a communication in the communications department, and so I had access to a oh, Mac. Oh yeah, there. you had a good Mac yeah. at work. I did, and I yeah. sent you with a Commodore sixty four. Yeah, that you could just that for goofing like you guys play games oh, on yeah. and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think it was around that time that I won my first Commodore Plus Four. I remember having that set up in my my dorm room <laughs> at one point. <laughs> Yeah, so that amazes me that you didn't buy a computer for the nope. whole 90s, despite nope. being a pretty big computer nerd who ran a BBS, yep. who took yep. computer science in university in the 90s. Yep. That, that amazes me. Yeah, I still had access to, like I was using my Amiga until I went away to Minneapolis. Yeah. When I was in Minneapolis, I pretty quickly got that job so that I had a great Mac to use. Um, I had internet when I was down there. Yeah. When I came back to Thunder Bay, my parents wanted to buy a computer. So I, I helped them pick something out. Yeah. Like a windows. And I remember like I had, yeah, like I was playing SimCity 2000 and stuff on it, but I didn't do too much with it. Yeah. And then, yes, that was for a couple of years. And then, yeah, I guess like when I was at work, I got all my, like I was doing website development at work yeah so i kind of got that out of my system there and uh then when i decided i wanted my own i got the yeah you bought the emac in 2002 do you have the emac yeah i've got it here yeah, yeah i haven't yep. ever turned it on since he gave it to me okay. yeah yep. but it's taken up a big hunk of shelf space in here <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're a good man yeah i've got a whole bunch of macs tying up a lot of shelf space and i kind of look at them and think why do i keep that why do i have why these? do i have these things that i never yeah. ever turn on and don't i'm not yeah. hardly interested yeah yeah so yeah. i partly ask because in 92 is when i bought a 386 sx laptop sure. and probably most of our listeners watch my 8-bit show and tell show but i just i just made an episode about that laptop and uh so if you want to watch that look up uh 8-bit show and tell on youtube three, yeah. 386 sx and you'll see my first computer of the 90s and darren the hard drive just died on it right i know right it's tragic right after i finished recording that episode the hard drive died Wow. Yeah, I feel that's kind of, heartbreaking. I feel sad about that, but yeah, hey, for sure. Anyway, yeah. Okay. Let me let me just think something through with you. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I had a 286 card that I was able to put in my GVP hard drive. Yeah. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, and I think I have your hard drive. Oh yeah. Here. Really? Yes. Oh, that's your Amiga cool. hard drive. Yeah. And. Uh, I can probably get back to you, but I think I was looking, I think even when you gave it to me, it's mm -hmm. in kind of pieces and it's kind of rickety now, mm -hmm. like the top, you probably had to open it up to put that yep. card in and it doesn't yep. even seem like it fit back together properly. I was, oh, yeah. I was just looking at that actually weeks ago. Oh, neat. Yeah. And, um, yeah. so you are of course, welcome, welcome to at the back. But it might be neat just to see if I could get anything off of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it would be cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because maybe some neat stuff is on there. Yeah, there could be. Uh, resurrect the old BBS. <laughs> um, and another thing, I don't think I actually really used the 286 for anything. Maybe I used it for programming course in university, but I think I just went into the computer labs and used it. 
Do you remember Mikadon selling the tiny 286s? I think they were 286s, the tinies. Yes, and I have one here. Okay, because I had one too. <laughs> Mickey was such a good guy. Our boss was a good guy. He knew what was going on and he didn't care. Yeah. Some of the acquiring that happened. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I acquired a tiny at one point. Yeah. And you think it's a 286 yeah. rather than a 386. I do. Okay. But I don't know why. Yeah. Maybe just because of the alliteration. I have. Yeah, maybe. I have a feeling my tiny is a 386SX, but maybe it is a 286 mm -hmm. also. And I have been, it, that is, seems to be a very unknown computer on like oh, on yeah. the YouTubes. So yeah. I do want to make a video about that computer yeah. sometime. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. To, yeah, if I'd it be, works, I don't know. Make it, make the video for me. I'd be totally interested. <laughs> I'm sure you'd find lots of interest for something like maybe. that. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Neato. Well. So those are our computers. That is. And video games and other electronic gizmos that we grew up in the 80s a with. A very complete tour. Darren, how long was that? Oh, we're just scraping one hour and two minutes. Really? Oh, that yeah, we're good. Felt like longer. Okay, that's pretty. This is a one hour podcast. Hey, that's pretty yeah. good. Growing up 80s, covered in cheese. cheese. Well, then, I guess it's time for us to say thank you for joining us on Growing Up 80s. We invite you to share your memories of any video game systems or computers that you had growing up in the 80s with us on Twitter. You can tweet me at Darren Folds. And you can tweet me at 8-Bit Show and Tell. Do we have that GF80s Twitter account? Yeah, but does anybody check it? I don't know. We have a Growing Up 80s Twitter account, but I don't know if we even check it. So <laughs> probably just contact us directly. <laughs> but you could try it. G Up 80s and maybe we'll uh, Notice tweet it. out a bunch of us at once. That's right. <laughs> we have a Patreon account where any monthly donation gets you access to our exclusive patron-only podcast. Extra generous patrons. <laughs> Extra generous patrons like Chris and Justin, $5 backers and higher, get a special shout out in the podcast. Hi, Chris. Hi, Justin. Hi, Chris and Justin. You guys are extra cool. And the most generous patrons can suggest topics for the patron-only podcast. And if you like, please share the podcast with your friends and check out our YouTube channel for occasional video content oh that reminds me i never made that last starfighter video i wanted to make that's right oh yeah. it was really good too oh i gotta get that oh, done well, sometime maybe yeah anyway for robin harbin i am darren folds thanks for listening and good night good night good enough that's good enough <laughs> thanks for listening and good enough <laughs> product I've ever seen on my little professor but the most
difficult question was 28 times 27 Product 756 Which was very difficult for me to solve in my head Past tense because I have it memorized now Professor, the answer, please.